What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I've got special guest, the one and only Sim Land on the line today. And this is kind of cool because when I very first started the diet, I found him on YouTube and some of his books he had written. I'm excited to pick his brain today. How are you, man? Well, I'm super excited to be on this podcast, you know, the Keto Savage podcast. And uh, I like, uh, like you mentioned that uh, you found me on YouTube and uh, I found you on YouTube as well when, when I was when I was doing research about uh, keto and bodybuilding. And uh, you're, you're definitely one of the top guys in this field, in my opinion. I appreciate but, it, man. Yeah. yeah. But uh, a little, maybe like I uh, can talk about a little bit myself then. Uh, I also have like a YouTube channel. Like you mentioned, I've written some books about keto. And uh, I have a podcast, and uh, I do. I, I I cover topics more than just keto, ketogenic dieting. Like I do fasting, other biohacks, cold thermogenesis, Wim Hof method, light therapy, and you know stuff like that. So I'm um, I'm kind of involved, enmeshed into all of this kind of what is yeah, human optimization, if you could call it that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I, we can dive into that all day long because I, I love kind of. Not even necessarily hacking the system, but just really optimizing it to its full potential. So, what uh, I mean, what got you into, you know, diving into what the human body is capable of and in ways to perfect it and increase performance in the first place? Mm. Like, uh, I I think like it's it's something that is very comes very natural to me. I, I ever since I was a child, I remembered you know wanting to improve myself, wanting to learn. You know, I remember when I was 10 or something, then I had, I made myself this kind of a goal or this rule that I'm going to do, you know, pull-ups every day. Every day I'm going to do like at least, you know, five pull-ups. I'm going to start with five pull-ups, you know, and uh, I'm going to see how far I can go. You know, I, can I improve myself? How can I push myself every day? Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of feel, feel like that's kind of, this kind of a mentality carried on over to the, uh, carried over to my teenage years when I started working out to like at the real gym. And uh, when I when I t- started to take it more seriously, then it happened like in the military. I after after I graduated high school, I enrolled in the military for eight months, and uh, there you're kind of exposed to different kinds of elements in the in in nature in the wild, and uh, it's it's physically tough, it's mentally tough as well, and uh, that's that got me interested in like survival, you know, and uh, what does it mean for the human organism. Or a human system to you know th- thrive in this in these uh, situations of environmental stress and uh, different uh, um, psychological challenges as well. So after after I graduated from the military, then uh, I started my blog, and uh, it kind of rolled over from there. You know, wrote some books, started the YouTube channel, and <laughs> after that, it's been a wild journey. Yeah, it just kind of keeps evolving. Yeah. So what? Um Kind of like you listed off before, you've done all these different kinds of you know tactics. The Wim Hof method. For anybody that doesn't know about that, what how would you describe the Wim Hof method? Uh, the Wim Hof method is is a is a breathing exercise. It's like hypervent controlled hyperventilation that allows you to trigger the uh, positive benefits of the sympathetic nervous system. You know things like uh, adrenaline, some cortisol. And it's going to put you into this very focused state of mind and it's going to energize your all of your cells. But at the same time, it's not it's not like hyperventil- hyperventilation in the sense of you freaking out and mm-hmm. getting an, a panic attack. You're doing it deliberately and in a conscious manner. And the key is like staying conscious and mindful throughout the entire process. 
and you know the the pattern is something along the lines of like you know things like that you know and you repeat it for like 30 30 breaths or something and uh, then you're gonna do a breath hold which is going to actually you know release this more of more more nitric oxide into your body and basically yeah like it's a very energizing exercise and Wim Hof himself is like a Guinness world record holder he has he has done things like you know climb Mount Everest in his shorts. Yeah, <laughs> he, he he has spent like two hours in ice baths, and yeah, he's like the ice man. So he he uses these different breathing me- methods to control his uh, nervous system. So yeah, I'm really I'm really curious to dive into that because it, it's kind of crazy. Like there's a whole bunch of pictures of him online, just like totally covered in yeah, ice, and yeah. just nothing wearing nothing other than a pair of you know shorts. Um, and and I guess it's all just in his ability to control. The breathing and how it ties in with um you know it's like his nervous system and how he feels and and perceives mm-hmm. that cold yeah yeah like they've done actually studies on him and uh he can you know consciously almost uh regulate his core temperature like when he's when he's uh stays in those ice baths then his temperature doesn't drop to like he doesn't go into hypothermia he maintains a stable core temperature and it's it's quite insane in a sense of what the human nervous system can actually do and like he's not he's not a freak of nature he he has taught it to m- many different of his students and uh, yeah like they're all, they're from all, all all ages like old old people young people and i've i've met a few of his students and they're all like practice these kinds of ice baths and things like that it's crazy man people people i don't know like it's um, it's simple but it's it's if people don't do it correctly it can kind of be dangerous yeah, it's yeah. just like you pass out if you're breathing incorrectly yeah it's true like it can it can become dangerous, especially like if you combine it with, you know, actual winter swimming or stuff like that. You have to know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and definitely like everyone is responsible for their own actions in this sense. I haven't dove into the, the actual technique behind it as much as I need to. I need to just dive into like the actual research. But I definitely know that, you know, I can manipulate my breathing when like I used to go scuba diving and I would manipulate my breathing when I was doing free diving. And you can be able to like hold your breath much longer if you kind of hyperventilate initially. You just engorge all your blood with like more oxygen. You can hold your breath longer underwater. Um, and that kind of same concept holds true with you know lifting. For instance, if I go into a big lift, I'll hyperventilate intentionally to kind of force more oxygen into my blood and then be able mm. to power through that that set more you know more effectively. Yeah, yeah, like that's a very important point. Like. Uh, I've also read this book called The Oxygen Advantage and uh, the author talks about it as well like that it's not actually a very good idea to you know over over ventilate yourself or to breathe too deeply or breathe too much because it's going to uh, it's it leads to you know mitochondrial degeneration and uh, the problem isn't lack of oxygen in a sense the lack the problem is that the buildup of carbon dioxide mm-hmm. that that happens, and uh, if you if you if you uh, like uh, like you mentioned you do, when you're about to do a heavy lift, then you're going to hold your breath, and that carbon dioxide is going to actually allow you to you know fuel your muscles much more efficiently. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting when you start breaking things down like on a molecular level like that. How much um, you know the things that you wouldn't even think of really impact your performance. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's crazy, yeah. so what about keto? Like, what got you into keto? I mean, if you're wanting to optimize and kind of improve your performance, that led you to keto in some form or fashion. That intermittent fasting. So, kind of, what have you? What, what's been your like transition from, you know, eating carbs to keto, and kind of what was the the tipping point, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Well, I, 
I would I started off like when in high school I you know uh, ventured into the world of paleo and slowly started to decrease my carb intake and uh, eliminate you know certain uh, allergens like gluten and legumes and uh, yeah like the reason was that I simply wanted to improve my health like my main focus focus has always been like longevity and health mm-hmm. not not simply purely aesthetics or something like that. But uh, yeah, like I did paleo and and uh, a lot of like fasting as well for several years. I couldn't do, I couldn't you know stick to it entirely when I was in the military because they feed you like random stuff in there, random chow. But uh, like I, I, when I stumbled upon keto, then I first immediately thought like yeah, maybe like too extreme. You know how do how do you actually fuel your muscles? You're gonna lose your gains. You're gonna get weak, and you know the basic uh, fears mm-hmm. that that m- most people have. But uh, I I you know after a while I learned I learned more about it. I heard it all, a lot a lot of the other health benefits, the cognitive benefits, and I was simply curious. And uh, I was like, yeah, what the hell? If I'm gonna lose my gains, then then I'll be able to you know regain it quite easily. And like I know what to do. So it's it's not that big of an issue. So I tried it out. Initially, I did it for like uh, I would say a few a few weeks, maybe four weeks or something like that, and I noticed like quite a significant difference in hunger levels, mental clarity, satiety, and uh, during that time, I did you know slight I did notice a slight decrease in my strength, and uh, I even might have lost a little bit of muscle as well. But in hindsight, the reason why it happened was that. Uh, it, I was doing the experiment during the summer, and as a student, I was also working at at this sort of a restaurant as a waiter to you know earn some money for the college, and uh, you know th- that kind of a work is very, it's it's like night shift work almost as mm-hmm. well, especially especially during the summer. You're you're gonna have to wait some tables at night, and you don't get that much sleep. So like that was the biggest problem, I believe. Like I've that well, I I might have you know slightly suffered during my first keto uh, experiments because of that you know these higher levels of cortisol and stuff like that but later later i after after that period i kind of fell in love with keto because it was so easy you know in a sense you don't have to worry about you know eating frequently you don't have to even worry about uh how food affects your performance you're always capable of you know you can always go to lift something heavy without preparing yourself uh, with some sort of a pre-workout meal or something like that yeah absolutely and, uh, yeah that's that's one of you that's one of the mo- most most biggest uh benefits that i've seen it is crazy man like people you know that have followed traditional from like from a performance standpoint alone you know like if you're following a standard carbohydrate based diet you have to put so much more time and effort into you know meal timing because all that yeah. has much more of a factor it plays much more of a role you know, like you have to peak for a specific event or, um, you know, at the time everything's just right so that you've got the right glycogen stored up to, you know, lift efficiently. <laughs> and with yeah. keto, it's like you eat, you, you don't worry about it. I mean, there'll be times where I'll, I'll not work out for, you know, several hours after eating or I might work out, you know, one or two hours after eating. But either way, like I, I'm consistently performing well. I just take so many variables out of the equation and I just, I, I don't know, it's just from a lifestyle perspective, it's liberating. Yeah, it's this you know, keto is like freedom almost, and it it is like in in a sense it's more effective as well. Like I see people doing these Instagram posts or you know videos about meal prep, and I'm always thinking like, why would you need to do it? In a sense, no one is that busy to 
you know, cook up a few eggs or, you know, skip a meal. Like everyone, if you're doing keto, then you have nothing to worry about. You know, if you're if you're even that busy that you don't have time to eat, then maybe it's not actually a good idea to eat in the first place because, you know, like higher levels of stress, they're going to promote fat gain. And uh, if you do eat in a very stressed out state, then it's not very good for your gut either. So, yeah, stress is huge, man. Like I, I recommend, like I advocate meal prepping, but there's like a pretty big caveat there and that, you know, obviously like if you're only eating one or two meals a day, you should be able to fit that into your schedule regardless. Like if you're traveling or something, you know, that would be a good, it's a good situation, but you don't need to eat every three hours. So, yeah. um, meal prepping is not <laughs> near as critical by any means, but stress alone, like what, what have you found? Um, cause that's kind of hard to quantify. Like it's hard to really measure how much, you know, cortisol and lack of sleep affects performance. But have you noticed, any patterns or correlations with all the biohacking that you've done? Well, uh, I would say like stress, st- like stress adaptation and the ability to cope with stress, they're all subjective in the sense that uh, it's it's mostly like uh, it has a physiological basis, but at the same time, it's also very psychological. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it depends on like the way you perceive the situation. Like, for instance, uh, if I'm feeling stressed out because of, you know, working on my business or or if I'm feeling stressed out because of, you know, exercising, then it's it's a different kind of stress than than something like, uh, I don't know, actually feeling pissed off about something or actually feeling miserable. You know, it's it's different. The, the difference is only in your way you perceive it. And uh, th- and you can all you can always change your pers- perspective on the situation and and if you do it then you flip the almost like the neurochemical uh, stimuli or the neurochemical result of that stress as well it can actually become positive stress in a sense like oh I'm pushing my boundaries I know that this kind of this situation is very stressful for me but I know it's moving closer to my goals so it's it's actually become something to yearn towards so. Yeah, like there are like physiologic, even physiological stimuli can can all be altered or changed with your perception. For instance, if we talked about Wim Hof, then uh, yeah, like if you put someone who hasn't done this kind of uh, cold therapy stuff before, then uh, they're going to freak out like, oh, my God, this is so freezing, I'm going to die. But uh, for someone who is doing it deliberately, who is voluntarily going into an ice bath, they're, then they're actually enjoying it mm-hmm. because it's some it's a, it's a matter of like conscious choice and uh, it's deliberate what uh like is there any tips or tricks that you have or incorporate if you can sense yourself kind of i don't know just getting stressed out in the day to to kind of step back and mm. regain mm. your composure and just mental clarity towards it all yeah like uh it's it's true indeed like that the stress itself will it can still lead to like overdrive and uh whenever i do notice it i, I usually it happens like when uh you can feel your you know cortisol s- surging through your veins and what i do then is uh i have to first assess you know what is wh- why am i feeling this way did i did i do something that that uh, made me stressed out maybe i drank too much coffee maybe i didn't get a good night's sleep and uh you know maybe like uh, there's something in my environment that is making me feel less optimal and uh, what i usually do is like you have to kind of you have to kind of get yourself out of that s- spiral you have to get out of that stress uh, cycle as soon as possible because the more stressed out you are the more stress you're going to experience 
and uh, the more stress you experience the more stressed out you're going to become mm-hmm. so like it's it's very cr- the chronic stress is very dangerous in this in this sense so what i do is like i kind of hit the brakes almost completely i usually maybe like meditate go for a walk in nature listen to some audiobooks and uh, you know simply put myself on in a parasympathetic dominant state where i'm actually relaxing and one cool thing that I've started to implement into my daily routine is like uh, I'm having this kind of short power naps mm-hmm. where I put on uh, head, put on my headphones, I listen to some uh, guided meditation for maybe like 10 to 20 minutes and uh, it's going to immediately like recharge my batteries and rejuvenate my mind as well. And How often do you do that? I, I usually, I try to do it like uh, ideally I would want to do it like every day. But it, it it doesn't happen all the all the time. Like for instance, today I didn't have the time. But uh, usually, like every other day, probably. And uh, especially if I'm like working hard harder, then definitely it's, it's definitely a good uh, recovery hack as well. And you just do it for like ten minute uh, intervals. Yeah, I, what I've been trying uh, experimenting recently is this kind of a yoga sleep, yoga nidra, and uh, it 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 kind of works like it's not even like uh, sleeping or it's not even napping. You're you're never gonna fall out of consciousness in this sense you're simply it's it's like a mindful analysis or navigation throughout your body for instance the soundtrack is going to tell you like focus on your left finger or left hand thumb you know second Mm -hmm. finger third finger wrist shoulder hip uh, collarbone uh, back things like that and it's going to move uh, throughout the entire body and it's a very relaxing relaxing exercise uh, and i think i th- think like it's it's like um it put it it makes you more mindful and uh it uh, centers your body and your mind so it's like it's been very effective and after after you wake up from it then you feel like <laughs> you feel like you slept like two hours or something and that's something i've noticed is there like an app for that or is it like a program that you use like uh I simply use like YouTube. There are a thousand, thousand, thousands of videos about it and different kinds. So like the main idea is to simply have something to focus on, and uh, that guiding voice is uh, like a means of uh, of analyzing your body. I like it. I like it. I've uh, I played around with a few of the the meditation apps and um, like the brainwave apps and everything. I, I don't know. I like, it's it's interesting to me how those can have such a profound impact on you. Yeah, definitely. Um, what What about intermittent fasting and, and fasting in general? Kind of dive into that. What have you learned and, and played around with there? Well, I think like fasting was one of the best changes that I've implemented into my like uh, not only nutrition but life in general. It's like the I first started off with fasting, doing this sort of a lean gain style of sixteen hours fasting and eight hours eating. And uh, I saw immediate you know, results in my performance, in my energy levels again, you know, the whole good stuff. And uh, I moved on from there into the warrior diet for, by Ori Hofmeckler. And he has this book about, you know, of uh, actually spending most of the day in a fasted state, you know, up to like 20 hours or so. And then eating uh, during like a small time window. And uh, it it also works, but it's more aggressive in the sense it's it's going to promote more fat burning, and it's it's more difficult to build muscle with that. But uh, with the, with the ca- warrior diet, 
yeah yeah like uh it, because of the feeding window is 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 more uh restricted isn't that what goody beats are doing right now like three thousand calories once a day i think so maybe yeah like uh yeah is the, the warrior diet has been around for like decades or not not decades but ori hoffmeckler wrote it in like year in the early parts of 2000 the year 2000 so he's he's like an og og intermittent yeah. faster <laughs> he's like and and he's like over 60 years old as well and he's like ripped and uh, it's amazing very cool and so so that that's more for um losing fat it's, it's harder to to build the muscle with such a long fasting window well, it it can happen in a sense. Like um, if you do consume excess calories, then uh, you 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 can, you can still gain weight with this kind of eating. But the the difference is that uh, like it's still more optimal to have, let's say, like a protein synthesis spike twice a day. I would imagine if if your main focus is to build muscle. But in in my own experience, I would say like building very lean muscle. And you know, burning and staying relatively lean with this kind of uh, OMAD diet, one meal a day diet, or the warrior diet, you know, that, that's a very good good way of uh, you know achieving both the muscle gain and fat burning almost simultaneously. But mm. it's very like it's very difficult, and it's like <laughs> it's incremental gains in the sense. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I think with with keto in general, like. The you put on weight sl- more slowly it seems, but the weight that you put on is a much more quality quality weight. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. What What about uh, I mean, just building muscle with keto in general? Like that's like a big the hot topic for debate right now. People assume that you can't do it. They don't really know how the whole protein synthesis process works. Um, what have you found to be the 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 most efficient way to do that? Um. Like the most important thing for building muscle is like getting stronger. That's that's the main thing. Like the training stimulus has to be there for your body to actually receive the signal that it needs to get uh, bigger in this sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, you know, the best way to do it is re- resistance exercise, whether by lifting weights or even you know doing your body weight only. You know, there's not that much difference in terms of the training stimulus. You just have to progressively get stronger. And you have to, at the same time, you have to accompany it by, uh, you know, adequate protein as well. The protein is literally the building blocks of this new muscle. Muscle, and uh, yeah, without the energy, then your body is going to struggle in terms of putting on more mass in, in this sense. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I don't know. I think. Do you think there's a certain percentage of protein that's necessary to build muscle, or? Um just like some general guidelines that you kind of shoot for yourself? I think like uh, there is some uh, individual differences for, for some people. I remember I remember like when I first started keto, then uh, my protein was relatively low. Like I stuck to around 100 grams and uh, I didn't feel as best or I didn't feel as strong as I do now by consuming slightly more. At the moment, I'm consuming like maybe... 130 grams to 140 grams or something I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what exactly what the percentages might be but I, I'm not I'm not aiming for percentages when it comes to protein I'm trying to reach a certain uh, threshold with protein which is usually like 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight or something I'm not I'm not particularly measuring it but you know after uh, many years of doing keto and uh, and uh, dieting in general then I've simply 
you know, you kind of guesstimate all of those things mm -hmm. with your eye, with your eyes, you know, by mem memory almost. Do you think there's any advantage to having like 200, 300 grams of protein like some of these traditional bodybuilders are, are taking in? <laughs> that, that, well, that, that's kind of a very sad state to be in because usually if you're consuming that much protein, then uh, you'll, you'll probably have, you know, low carb and you'll probably have lower, lower fat as well. So this, it's going to keep you in a very deprived state where your body is constantly trying to, you're not in very deep ketosis. You may be like in very mild transient ketosis in between your meals, but uh, that protein is going to, it, it may not be converting it into, you know, glucose or cake like people are afraid of, but it's still, you're, you're still in protein. It cannot be converted into, or protein cannot be used as energy. Protein is a building block in a sense. Mm -hmm. Before you can, before you can store protein in your body, then it has to be converted into glucose first. Yeah, which so, is a pretty pretty inefficient process in the grand scheme of things. So it's yeah, yeah. it's not really the the ideal optimal way to create energy to be used by the body. Yeah, exactly. And like uh, from an evolutionary perspective, or if you would live in the wild, wild, then there's also this thing called uh, rabbit starvation, which happens when uh, hunter gatherers would you know simply they would starve to death because. They wouldn't get access to fattier meat. They would eat rabbits, you know, and the rabbits are really very lean. They don't have a lot of, you know, fat from. They only have mostly protein. And uh, if people eat only protein, then they're not going to get the energy, and they're going to starve to death. So it's definitely, a, yeah. I, it kind of wound up being like the the last month. The most traditional competitors is basically what they're doing. That's why they all look and feel terrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's and you, in your experience, you definitely did the opposite. You lowered your protein instead, and you upped your fat. So mm -hmm. keto works in this sense. Absolutely. Well, what about um, what about carbs and kind of like your take on carbs? What what do you find to be optimal there? Um, in general, like uh, I do feel you know, amazing when I'm eating like a very low carb keto diet. And uh, usually, if you if if I do feel like I accidentally kicked myself out of ketosis by consuming slightly more carbs from I don't know like vegetables or or you know fermented foods or stuff like that, then uh, I I still feel like it's not gonna have like a negative impact on my overall overall well-being and uh, mental clarity the next day either mm -hmm. because it's I'm the longer you kind of do keto the longer you become keto adapted then the easier it is for you to reestablish ketosis and dip in and out of it more frequently. But at the same time, like, uh, I still think like carbs, carbs aren't the enemy and carbs are a fuel source that you can use only in very certain specific circumstances. And um, those circumstances, they vary between individuals a lot. Like for some rich froning, I would imagine, who like the, the fittest man on earth from CrossFit, he, he, he has a higher carb threshold or carb tolerance than someone who is sedentary. And you would never want to prescribe the same diet to this kind of a diabetic or overweight person. So it's always a matter of context. The, yeah. the problem is that the problem is that most, most people's bodies aren't capable of handling that vast amount of carbohydrates and glucose that uh, that's, you know, prescribed by most fitness diets. I agree. It's kind of crazy. Like a lot of, you know, extreme competitive athletes, you know, they can have that higher threshold, but even that, even their higher threshold is still pretty low 
when mm. compared to people who should not be eating near as many carbs and are, yeah. are much more sedentary. So it's just kind of a recipe for disaster for them. Yeah, I think like the 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 uh, like fundamental baseline would be a keto diet for everyone. Like if you're not if you're not working out, then I think that day if you're not working out that a day, then uh, that day should be like a low carb diet for everyone. So just just for general health. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. What do you think about like um like the targeted keto and the cyclical keto? Hmm. Uh, I I did try the cyclical keto during my first uh, months of keto experiment, and uh, like it's it is like very appealing. It's very attractive in the sense of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna grind through this week, and then I'm gonna have a massive cheat day. And those days, they indeed were like very glorious and yeah. uh, enjoyable in the sense like I, I remember I was in college and uh, I was eating like about yeah 5,000 calories and you know over 1,000 grams of carbs from you know some potatoes rice I did try to stick to some healthy carbs but I also like ate some you know the processed stuff like I don't know waffles Mm -hmm. pancakes you know ice cream stuff like that and you woke up the next day you woke up quite vascular you woke up uh, even leaner than you were before but at the same time you kind of suffered this from this massive carb flu and brain fog so yeah, it kind of got boring. You, you, I had different priorities in the sense like I needed my brain to function at its best, to you know build up my business and uh, run my blog. So I didn't, I didn't, you know, the, the benefits didn't uh, outweigh the negative side effects. So I decided to kind of move move away from that. And then I tried the the targeted keto diet, which 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 I which I I believe like it's it's more. Uh, is more effective than cyclical keto because uh, you can uh, you, you get the performance enhancing boost of this small amount of carbohydrates, but at the same time you're gonna you're not gonna suffer from this massive uh, keto flu again, and you, because you're not gonna overdo with the carbs. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been trying it out on like some of most of my more intense high intensity training days, usually when I'm incorporating some I don't know hit cardio or, or Tabata. Or, or if I'm in, if I'm simply trying to build more mass with 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 keto, then I'm trying to, then I will implement maybe like a small amount of carbs with some protein, maybe like a half banana or or, or things like that. But uh, in general, like I'm, I still don't feel I can still perform without it. You know, like uh, I, maybe even like you know I'll, I'll skip anything. I'll skip all meals altogether. And I'll maybe drink like apple cider vinegar with some water, and that's my pre-workout drink, and that puts me into the right state of mind, and you know I can still work out. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I've not really played around with the targeted keto much myself, but you know I've had a few people on that they've they've enjoyed working with it, um, and I do see kind of like how it could be advantageous in a sense, but I could see it being dangerous too. <laughs> the people wind up kind of giving themselves more carbs than their body actually mm. needs. And then yeah. just kind of doing them more harm than good. Yeah, it it definitely doesn't work for all sports. You can't you can't get away with it when doing yoga or or even like let's say powerlifting itself. You're not actually burning a ton of glycogen when you're doing powerlifting. Yeah, uh, these lower reps, like one to three reps or even five reps, the, those those are perfect for keto because you don't need that many carbs. You would only well, maybe want to experiment with this target keto. When you're doing these crazy bodybuilding supersets and uh, stuff like that, or if you're doing CrossFit, or if you're working out twice a day, or or if you're even like I don't know, 
doing Ironman triathlon, th those people they they tend to do better with the, the targeted keto, and you know other other people simply won't need them carbs. So like doing doing housework and walking around the the park doesn't doesn't qualify. <laughs> yeah, you you have to yeah throw out your Fitbit and you know reset the data and that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the cyclical too. I think uh, cyclical. I don't know, man. I think cyclical is just kind of like it's it was made with the intention of being the best of both worlds, you know, carbs and keto, but it winds up being the worst of both worlds and you're just mm. stuck in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true, true. Like uh I would imagine like from an evolutionary perspective this the, the human diet is like a cyclical keto diet with with a lot of intermittent fasting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But uh the difference is that it may not be optimal for, you know, your performance and well being on a daily basis. You don't want to be suffering all the time from transitioning over th through these periods. And uh, I would imagine like th these uh, cycles or keto cycles in nature, they would happen only like once or twice a year, you know, when the seasons actually change, not every week, not every yeah. carb night, not every <laughs> carb night weekend with your friends or watching sports. No, I, I totally agree, man. I think um, like looking at it from a from an evolutionary perspective, you know, the only time that a big enough shift like that would occur would be with the seasons and you know there's not really anything in line with that with just the weekly carb cheats mm. that people are doing now and honestly like like you said man you need your your mental clarity and cognition to be able to improve your business i mean just simply being able to have that consistent mental clarity to me far outweighs the the short-term high that i would get from you know having a bunch of sugars or carbs exactly exactly and uh one one thing I do think uh, one of the benefits of this cyclical keto diet may be like that uh, it, it it indeed you know revs up your metabolism and speeds up the thyroid in a sense of uh, if you do consume like uh, if you're actually working out and then having a refeed day then it may have like a very positive benefit on the metabolism because you know whenever I did consume these uh, whenever whenever I did have these cheat days then the next day I was very you know, my performance was indeed slightly improved in terms of the pump feeling, mm -hmm. and uh, you you actually lost more weight the next days as well. So it depends on you know the individual and uh, how well they're gonna use those carbs. If a if a person who is struggling with weight, who is trying to actually lose weight, then they're definitely not very. It's not a good idea to try the cyclical keto diet as to you know maybe give themselves a break from their diet because it's going to jeopardize their process, their process. But, uh, yeah, like someone who is doing like bodybuilding, who wants to maintain, I don't know, some sort of performance oriented goals, they may find it applicable in, in, in some areas and in some situations. But what I noticed is like those, those benefits of the cyclical keto, they, they kind of, they become apparent in uh, doing strict keto as well like the longer you do keto your body's gonna adapt very well and uh you're gonna notice the same benefits even if you do like uh some if you stay consistent with 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 a strict keto diet i 100 100 agree i'm glad you said that because like i think i don't know there, there's definitely different stages of adaptation and i mean you you can be producing ketones and technically registering as in ketosis after a day or two but that is far different than being, you know, fat adapted for six months. And that is far different than being adapted for years. Um, like your body just continues to become more and more uh, capable of using what you give it. And like 
for me, I've been strict keto about four years now, and I mm. get better pumps now with not having any carbs than I ever had on you know carb refeed days and and carb surplus days. Like I, I just feel and perform way better now. It's just like a it's a more consistent feel. That's why like I always advocate you know playing for the long game and with the, with the keto diet. Like nobody wants to think of it as oh wow I'm not gonna be able to tap into those benefits for years to come, but if you just look at it as a lifestyle, this is just how you live now, then that'll be here before you know it, and you'll just keep getting better with each month that goes by. Mm, that's that is yeah. Like uh, I've I've noticed it myself as well. Like your body is gonna adapt to everything that it gets exposed to, <laughs> and uh, like I feel like after this uh, several months or years of of keto adaptation the ketones they become as efficient as uh, glucose in the sense like like your body is going to metabolize them the same way and uh, the ketones are going to replace glucose in this sense I, I believe yeah yeah i think i mean exactly 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 right like your body you know it's it's forced to use and learn how to use what it has available to it so like if you're just putting in quality ketogenic foods then I mean, your your body's going to be able to use that just as efficiently, if yeah. not more efficiently, than if you're putting in a bunch of, you know, crap foods and carbs. Um, so yeah, do you do like? Good. What do you think about you know dipping in and out of ketosis? Do you find it uh, positive or does it have a like? It's no good. I honestly haven't even really played around with that. Like I've I've just been strict keto for four years now, and I I just like I don't want to sacrifice how I feel now because I've I feel so good now. Um, mm. You know, some people will argue that, you know, and, and I agree, like if I was to, to get out of ketosis now, then then yeah, I'd be able to get back into ketosis much, much easier. My body wouldn't have near a negative effect as if, you know, I tried doing the same thing one month into the keto diet. But at the same time, like that's, I don't know what benefit I would get from, from doing that. So I just keep it strict keto. Mm-hmm. I'm in the opinion that uh, you do would want to, you know, occasionally not kick yourself out of ketosis entirely but at least you know uh, move transiently in between those states and what it basic what it may entail is that you're not going to have like a massive cheat day but instead you may have like slightly more higher amounts of carbs on your harder workout days like i don't know some beetroot or these healthier carbs that you you may exceed your carb threshold by let's say 20 to 30 grams but yeah, it's not gonna be enough to actually make give yourself the keto flu or again. But what it what it does accomplish is it's it's gonna improve your metabolic flexibility, and yeah. uh, you and you're gonna be able to utilize you know different fuel sources more efficiently as well. And that's gonna you know, like protect yourself against the carb flu in the future. And yeah, I agree with that for sure. Like I think um, you know having that metabolic flexibility is is gonna be amplified if I was to you know dip, kind of you know flirt the the edge of the line a little bit more. But what, I mean, I could see that being really good if, you know, we had like a, you know, a crisis or something. I didn't have the foods I needed and then I'd be able to consume carbs mm. and have much less of a down downside to that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not really planning on a crisis mm. mode. I should I should have access to the quality foods, uh, you know, whenever I, I want them or need them. So I don't know if I would need to have that metabolic flexibility in this day and age, because I mean, we're not like we have, we have an abundant food supply. Like we're all going to survive yeah. and be fine. You know, I can see like if, if an apocalypse or something happened though, and I needed to be able to dip back into carbs, that would make things much easier. Mm. Yeah. Like of course the best uh, response to this sort of a, uh, 
first world problem crisis would be that uh, you're simply going to fast. Like that's one of the most best uh, biohacks or best uh, strategies against uh, against these situations where you're not going to be able to eat keto is to, you know, I'm simply not going to eat. You know, that's the simplest way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, on keto, your so, fasting is so easy and uh, it's so effective as well because you're going to literally be exclusively burning only body fat when you're in fasting ketosis. So like that's that's no problem in in my opinion as well like whenever i do have when i'm traveling or or when i don't get to eat these optimal foods then i'm simply going to choose to fast because it's much easier it's going to be more it's going to it's actually an opportunity to drive myself in deeper ketosis and you know rev and to maybe like have an extended fast for several days even so it's like an opportunity to to detoxify and cleanse the system as well so that's a one of the best perks of keto i believe yeah i totally agree man that's why like people will tell me oh i didn't have any keto food with me so i went ahead and cheated and, and ate some carbs and yeah, there's like yeah. a like a three hour window there or something you know they might be like at the <laughs> airport have a layover for an hour and decide yeah. to eat carbs because they never think keto and that, that to me is like just the biggest excuse yeah. ever it's like you, you can be just fine waiting another few hours you know like that's that's an option now that you're keto so take advantage of it yeah, you should be able to fast for like a week straight with no problem. Even even you and I, like we're relatively lean, you know, like we still have a ton of calories stored on our body and uh, we should be able to fast like immediately right now with no problems until the next week or something. And we would be able to do it like it's you, you yourself had like a extended fast experience recently as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's very something that our bodies supposed to be able to do and we, we're not supposed to be freak out we're not supposed to freak out when uh, we're not going to have our next meal yeah i totally agree like i haven't played around with them that much but when i did that four day fast or four and a half day fast like i felt great i felt amazing yeah, and yeah. i performed really good and i did all this with like very minimal sleep so it's kind of all kinds of pressures <laughs> on my body but yeah. i mean it was it was not a big deal at all and in doing yeah. that it really kind of gave me more perspective of like Okay, I don't need to lose my mind if I'm if I'm not able to eat for a couple hours. It's gonna be totally cool. I just went four days, so I think you know doing that for that reason alone, just to give people more perspective of what they're capable of physically and mentally, is hugely advantageous. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a huge confidence booster. Yeah, like you're, you 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 uh, start to re- realize how powerful and how adaptable your body really is, and it kind of opens up new perspectives of you know. W- w- what i i don't i don't really need to eat that frequently and you know what else does my body where else where else do i have these blind spots or where else do i have these uh weaknesses that i'm not taking advantage of you know mm-hmm. maybe i don't maybe i'm gonna spare a lot of money maybe i can spare a ton of calories maybe i can become more leaner maybe i can be maybe i can use that time i spend on meal prep and cooking and eating maybe i can spend that time spending time with family or maybe i can spend it you know building a business or something like that you know, that it opens up so many other doors in this sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thinking of food as fuel and then eating it when necessary and not mm-hmm. letting your life revolve around it. I think, I mean, that that's like probably the single biggest, you know, life switch that people need to, you know, take, take in yeah. and, and take advantage of because, I mean, that, I mean, everything can benefit from that. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of it, you know, sir culture and society is you know it's mostly focused on entertainment food indulgences uh pleasure things like things like that these are very 
immediate gratification societies where we live and you know the, it becomes a it becomes an addiction for most people and uh, simply like something to to it's actually a way of uh, avoiding the responsibilities do you know you're supposed to do mm-hmm. you know like uh, i'm not able to work i'm not able to you know do the things i know i need to do because i haven't had my morning cup of coffee first you know <laughs> i yeah. haven't had i haven't had breakfast yet and uh, i haven't you know i haven't uh, had you know, whatever, whatever it may be, you, you, it doesn't matter, you know, like, you, you have to be able to do what you know you're going to have to do, despite the situation, despite the circumstances, and despite how you feel, because, you know, it's what you're supposed to do. I 100% agree, man. People, people need to be okay with going without for a little while, yeah. you know, and sacrifice, like, people, people don't want to sacrifice or say no to anything. And because of that, they have no mental fortitude, no discipline, and no results <laughs> you know yeah that's true what about uh like fasting um intermittent fasting from like a, a muscle building perspective and like extended fasting do you think that there's some some ways to to leverage that or is that going to be kind of more hindering towards building lean muscle tissue um well, the thing is like uh f- fasting can make you lose muscle but uh, only if you if you you know do it in a in outside of ketosis if you are in ketosis if you manage to get into ketosis faster then you're going to protect your muscle and uh yeah it's going to prevent catabolism so the key is to get into ketosis as soon as possible and you know the magic of keto is that you're already in a semi-fasted state most of the time most of the time as well so in terms of actually building muscle then uh, it's not going to directly make you anabolic in the sense but uh, there is some evidence show that it boosts growth hormone. Uh, it also increases uh, one. Um, it increases one of the precursors of testosterone called luteinizing hormone. So, like it, it has these anabolic effects if you couple it with uh, proper feeding in the after you break the fast. So, and you know, of course, there's the, there's the thing that if you're doing extended fasts, then you're also gonna re boost your immune system. You're gonna boost stem cell growth. You're gonna repopulate the good microbiome in your gut, and that's going to allow you to absorb the nutrients from your food a lot better. You know, the problem is never that your body doesn't have access to micronutrients or amino acids or proteins or th- stuff like that. The problem is that your body isn't very good at uh, utilizing and using them very efficiently. So fasting is almost like a reset button that you know helps to mobilize those mineral stores helps to mobilize those micronutrients and uh, what, what i've tend to notice is like after i had my five day fast recently like the following days i felt so much more energy because during the fast i recycled a lot of the old wor- worn out waste material that gets accumulated in the body you know like these d- dying out cells cancerous cells and those things they got they get re-metabolized into more energy. And after I break the fast, then I can feel immediately like a increase in my performance, increase in my mental acuity, and you know everything improves. And that that's that's I believe like it can be used as a way of extended fasts for like, like let's say three to five days. They can be like anabolic catalysts almost, if you, if you could call it that. That they're gonna create this uh, proper hormonal il- milieu. And uh, it's going to allow you to mobilize the micronutrients a lot better after you start eating. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely get behind that. There's, there's, there's no, it's got more of an indirect effect, but a very profound effect nonetheless. I mean, 
which honestly is, holds true with so many concepts around nutrition and training. Um, there's not like, you know, there's not oftentimes not a direct reflection of, okay, do this and this is the result. Like everything's kind of symbiotic and works together in nature. So if you can leverage fasting to improve the efficiency of the body so that when you do introduce food, it has, you know, better ability to be absorbed and used uh, for, you know, muscle tissue growth, then you're coming out way ahead, even if the actual act of fasting is is not anabolic in the short yeah. term. Yeah, right. And of course, like you wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to get away with it if you're gonna you know fast all the time. You would want to do it like intermittently and uh, actually actually allow your body to recover and uh, nourish itself. Right, right. What what do you think about? Um, I haven't really dug into this too deeply, but there's there's an argument that you know your your growth hormone is going to be increased if you fast for like two hours post training. Uh, and then you should eat after that. Like, do you do you find much merit in that? Mm, I think it. I think it depends on what kind of training did you do and uh, how, whether or not you're working out in a fasted state. Like, I, I I do believe like high intensity. Well, we know that like resistance training and high intensity interval training they can boost growth hormone. And uh, like, if you do have like a post workout shake immediately. Or if you eat right away after a workout, then it may actually indeed like blunt some of the hormetic response of, uh, of 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 adaptation because you need you need to actually experience slightly more uh, catabolic, catabolic stress and hormesis in general to to allow your muscles and uh, your nervous system to adapt to that kind of stress. So it's indeed like a very I I, I do believe like it's a good idea to fast you know at least one to two hours after a workout just to allow your first of all to co- allow your cortisol levels to settle down and to also yeah like make your put your body into a situation where like okay we have to actually mobilize more we have to yeah like it's 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 a signal that we're in danger and we have to take advantage we we're like we have to prepare in advance you know maybe it's gonna we're gonna get another hit mm-hmm. and that that that's like a signal in the sense of if you were to eat right away, then you're going to shut down that signal, right? And uh, it's it's going to prevent the adaptation. So no need to slam protein shakes immediately post-workout? <laughs> well, yeah. like <laughs> the, problem, the problem is that these supplements, these BCAs and whey proteins, they, only, they are only wor- supposed to work on a non-keto diet, mm-hmm. where indeed, like if you're not keto-adapted, then it's true, you're going to experience a lot of muscle mass, you're gonna experience gluconeogenesis if you skip meals, and yeah, like <laughs> keto simply takes out all of the all of the fragile components of nutrition. In the sense, it's going to make your body more robust and uh, more effective. Takes out all the noise. I think so many people are, are making the mistake of um, trying to intertwine a lot of what works with a carbohydrate-based diet into a keto-based diet, and there's honestly just no need for it. Like it it winds up being just paralysis analysis and overthinking things because so many of those variables are just removed from the equation and they don't need to be reintroduced with keto. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. So, so what about uh, what about any biohacking experiments you've got going on now? Is there anything that you're currently digging deep into? Um, the one of the most uh, one one thing that is very intriguing for me at the moment is like red light therapy. It's 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 quite an emerging field and it's gaining a lot of popularity recently. And the idea is that these uh, specific wavelengths of infrared and far infrared light 
they're gonna penetrate deep into the tissue much rather much more than other other wavelengths and uh, it's going to stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis gonna boost you know testosterone in men if you shine it on your testicles <laughs> it's gonna reduce inflammation pr promote collagen synthesis as well so it's like in general it's very healthy and uh, anti-aging benefits so I've, I've been using this sort of a um, red light device that you know, every every morning for like I would say 10 to 20 minutes and um, it's very it's good for the circadian rhythm as well because it uh, stimulates some of the beneficial wavelengths of, of the sun not entirely but you know at least to some degree so that's something I've been experimenting with do you can you feel any different like is it like, like a pretty long-term approach that you're gonna actually be able to feel something different with it I do notice like um, the en my energy levels throughout the day are more stable and uh, you know you do feel less inflamed, fe less sore and uh, it's a very pleasing uh, like uh, experience as well. The w the waves are the the light waves are kind of even warm. You can feel the warmth almost if you shine it on your skin or your face. Hmm. My gym actually has one of those. The, I've never used it though. I'm going to have to jump in there and give it a mm. shot. Wow. Definitely, um, definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, the, <laughs> I've got I've got seven different gym memberships, and one of them is is Planet Fitness because they're the only ones that have functional stairmasters, and mm -hmm. um, they market the the red light therapy as a total body recomposition and muscle building <laughs> machine. <laughs> so I think a lot of these people are just jumping in there, thinking that they're gonna open the door, walk in, and stay in there for ten minutes, then walk out with abs or something, which is uh, probably not accurate. Um, mm. but yeah, yeah from the, what you're saying that the biogenesis effect like that, that would be highly advantageous. Yeah, definitely. I remember like I went to planet fitness during my trip to the States uh, a few months back and you know, it was quite an interesting experience. Like I didn't, I didn't get to do like a very good, I didn't have a, I had an or, awesome workout in a sense with dumbbells and stuff, but you know, there wasn't much, much weight to be moved around and yeah. the, the, uh, and the, and the environment was also like very politi politically correct. Yeah, 100%, man. Like, they don't have barbells or even squat racks. I think it's all a Smith machine, which, not, not, not to knock them as a gym or any means, you know, they, they're trying to just, you know, be safe. And, yeah, I guess barbells are, and squat racks are a bit more dangerous if the person's uneducated on how to use them. But, but yeah, they wouldn't let me lift there like I want to lift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets the work, it gets the job done. But, yeah, it's, it's, for, like the it's for the average person who simply... <laughs> who's going to treadmill treadmill themselves while watching you know some shows on the tv yeah for sure for sure but anything's better than not doing anything you know i mean um uh, you know more power to the people there that are are off the couch and in the gym um well very cool man very cool what what uh where can people go to find out more about you man you got several books out you get your blog like i want people to to find you and, and learn about all these biohacking experiments you got going on yeah, like I've written several books about uh, keto and fasting. You can find them on Amazon. Well, the the best or the biggest one is keto bodybuilding. Then there's keto fasting, and uh, you know there's also like different books about the targeted keto diet and the secret keto diet. But my website is also uh, seamlund.com. I write articles about, you know, biohacking, human optimization, and you know, some book reviews and stuff like that. And my biggest channel is also probably like my YouTube, Seam Lund, and uh, I have a podcast that it's called Body Mind Empowerment, and we, I, we talk about similar stuff about keto and nutrition and uh, 
becoming superhuman, as I like to call it in general. So those are my, those where people can find me. Awesome, awesome. I'll link out to all those as well. How old are you, Sam? I'm uh, 23. 23. It's awesome that you're doing this, man. Like, you know, that's a young age, honestly. I mean, you got like a lot of a lot of future left in this. I mean, the fact that you've got you know your your content creation, you're, you're pumping out you know articles, you got your books, um, the podcast, the blog, the videos. I mean, yeah, you, th- this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. Got a you got a super bright future. Well, yeah, definitely. I feel fortunate for having, you know, this kind of an opportunity myself because, yeah, a lot of people, they do say like that you're so young and it's very interesting or it's very, yeah, you should be very grateful for for, for having made these kind of revelations uh, so far. And I am mostly, I credit it to gratitude in a sense that I've, I've deeply contemplated about, you know, how fortunate it is for us to live in this kind of day and age and what it means to be human at the moment and uh, how many opportunities we actually have. You know, there's no reasons to, to you know, hit the snooze or to, you know, skip a workout just because you feel lazy because, you know, it's a huge privilege in the sense in nature you would die if you did something like that. <laughs> and, you know, that's that what keeps me, keeps me going. That is super, super cool, man. Like, I, I want to flesh that out a little bit more. Um that I mean, that freaking just gave me goosebumps, man. Because people, you're absolutely right. People, um, they don't take advantage of all the opportunities that we have, and we have it so good right now. Like this, this yeah. is an opportunity in which anybody can pretty much build a life for themselves with nothing more than their cell phone. And yeah, exactly. I mean, if you just stop and take a moment and think about that, to not leverage that opportunity and not make the most of every freaking waking moment you have on this planet then then you're doing a disservice to yourself and others yeah and uh not only for yourself and but you know your future generations as well like what are you going to say to your grandchildren if they ask you like why didn't you take advantage of it and how how are you going to explain yourself like it's crazy like <laughs> you you're supposed to be actually not doing it for yourself but you know for your children and grandchildren in the future no I, that's it's freaking awesome i love i love like you just got me fired up again here like the the whole concept of you know like i don't expect everybody to want to build a business or or be an entrepreneur like i'm not asking anybody to do that if they don't want to like if they're happy and they're content in their life then then more power to them but at the same time like i don't necessarily think it's like enough to just get by and do what makes you happy and content like i think it's important and i think it's admirable to think of Mm -hmm. life in a grander scale than just you alone like what you have this opportunity, you're alive and well and healthy, and, and you've been put on this planet. I think it's important to try and go through life in terms of, you know, adding more value than you take. It's not it's not good enough to just simply exist. Like, I think you need to leave this world bringing more into it, more positivity into it than than it was there before you came, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you have to have, you, you have, to have some sort of a purpose or some sort of a meaning, you know, towards which you build. And, you know, it may not be uh, like it doesn't have to be a business. It doesn't have to be Elon Musk taking us to Mars. It may be like improving your local community and growing up your or raising your children or whatever it may be, like bringing a smile to a stranger's face or whatever it may be just to contribute back to the world. Amen, man. A hundred percent. What 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 uh, what is your purpose? Like if you had to define your your legacy that you want to leave, what would you say? That's a deep question. I put you on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, I would say, like 
as a as as a race, as a as a society, or let's as as humanity, we're standing at the doorstep of this massive quantum leap in our evolution, uh, because of you know biotech and uh, AI and these this, this dif- different uh, massive disruptions that are going to happen in our culture overall. And what I t- try to do is to make sure that we're not going to mess things up, that we're not going to get uh, killed by robots, and that we're not going to accidentally, you know, get diabetes or, you know, accidentally bioenge- bioengineer our genes in a wrong way that's going to you know, make things worse. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to make, make sure that we won't mess things up. I like it, man. I like it. I think doing what you're doing, I mean, I think you're doing it hundred percent the right way. You know, you got the right outlook, you got time on your side and you're, you're hustling because you know that you got an opportunity in front of you. And that's, that's a lot to be said about that, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. No, thanks man. Like I'm definitely, I'm very excited for your journey as well. Like it's, you are like pioneering the, uh, field of you know human performance in the sense of how to use keto and uh, how much how much more adaptable and powerful our body actually is i appreciate it, man i don't know if i'm pioneering but i'm trying to do something i feel i feel good well, about what i'm doing i feel like it can make a positive well, influence i don't know many people who can you know eat like only 65 grams of protein on a contest prep and still still win the thing so yeah. you're doing something right <laughs> i appreciate it, man yeah we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep refining as we go crystal my girlfriend she's at 30 grams of protein right now, man. Ah, that's good, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and she's been prepping for 21 weeks, and she hasn't lost any muscle And at 30 grams of protein. Like, that, I mean, it's just, that blows my mind. Like, there's so much, we don't know what we don't know about yeah. the human body nutrition. Like, there's so many things that are just coming out and we're discovering on a day-to-day basis that really make you rethink what is right, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is exciting. That's, that's, that's kind of like going back to the whole opportunity that we have right now, just taking advantage of it. Definitely, and it's, it's it's exciting times. Absolutely. Well, Sam, let's definitely stay in touch, man. I'm I'm excited to see what you got going on in the future, and I'll I'll definitely link out to all your uh, social channels and your website so people can follow the, your journey along as well. Definitely, I was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, sir. Take care, man. <laughs>